What is up guys, welcome to episode 2 of the Sustainable Cities podcast. Um, today I spoke with Jazz Kadir. Um, so Jazz is a lecturer at AUT, um, he's also a project manager at EarthNZ and uh, he has been doing a lot of research around regeneration um, and sustainability in New Zealand's built environment. In the conversation we had today, Jazz talked to me about regeneration and how we can make a transition in our built environment to uh, regenerative practices and regenerative design. And he talked to me a lot about how what we need to be taking is a more holistic approach to design and development and policy, and that we need to be making systemic changes. It's not just about individual action, but collective action. He also illustrated the point very well that this isn't a revolution that's going to happen. This is uh, going to be a slow evolution that will happen over time. Jazz really hammered home the idea that this isn't about making some drastic change overnight. It's more about how can we take steps to be better. And with every step we further we take, get better and better. And eventually get to a point where we are harmonious with nature. It's not about drastic change, but incremental progress simply how can we leave the world a better place you know how did you go about getting into regenerative development oh that's that was uh, a lifelong question basically but um, Mm. I started out in engineering and uh, was was pretty much uh, sitting by the computer and doing the calcs kind of guy for for about five to six years uh, after I graduated. Um, So that didn't really make sense to me as to how the projects would come about and why some of them would get canned without any reason. Um, And that's how I moved into project management, uh, trying to just understand how, how decisions are made uh, and what are the, what are the different contextual factors apart from just uh, knowing that, this is going to add value. What are the other things that that kind of dictate whether certain things go forward or not? Um, and yeah, so that brought me to New Zealand. I did my uh, project management masters here at AUT, uh, and then I started working with a residential construction company and moved into the commercial space a year after. Uh, and again, was always very design focused. Uh, so I had to come back to really understand how are we designing our buildings? Um, why are they done the way they are? Um, and a lot of it was basically around just adding that bit of social economic value, um, but nothing really around what are we doing to the environment? What are we doing to the ecology? Um, why don't we have uh, the community people in the room making the decisions? Whom are we making the decisions for? Um, uh, a more democratic sense of that, you know, and then that kind mm-hmm. of took me towards uh, what are the best practices here? And there was green building, a lot of green building that, that was happening at that time. But then I also found um, the living building challenge and there's this organization called the living futures, uh, Raki Ora. Yeah. Um, so they, they, they are a small tight group of people um, aiming to push that best practice forward. Uh, there are challenges, of course, um, 
so there's there's kind of this these two best practices that are happening within the industry um and from there i kind of discovered through through living building challenge i discovered regenerative development uh which in its sense kind of captures all of these um four to five uh, different capitals that we talk about which is the social capital of a place the natural capital the financial capital um and brings all of that together early on in the discussion way before even the concept designs have started um mm. but still it's 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 quite a new novel space of work so there are not yeah. many buildings uh in the world that have been designed uh using that approach uh there are quite a few now with respect to the living buildings um and and quite a few with respect to green buildings as well uh but simply using regenerative development as as a way of working as a way of designing uh there are very few buildings in that sense right right i think anyone who learns a bit about regeneration and regenerative design they can understand that and they can appreciate why that's important but one of the things i struggle to understand about regeneration is when we're struggling just to get to a point of sustainability um you know in terms of the emissions in the construction sector is just one why is it so important to talk about regeneration when we're struggling just to get to that point of well sustainable so so regenerative development in its sense uh, by definition is is a systemic way of looking at the ecology of a place to increase its potential mm. um so depending on where you're entering the system from you'll have a different way of of looking at it so say you come in from the policy side it looks to you as if you are going to contribute broader outcomes through your procurement processes through the governance processes how can we bring everything together through this one investment package through this one intervention scheme uh if you're coming at it from the industry space as an architect or as an engineer uh or as a project manager you're looking at it with respect to how can i contribute more to the design how can we enhance the design so that there is more value to our clients to our people um if you're coming at it from the community space it is simply how can you maximize again um that investment package so that it yields broader value to the community to the people mm. so you're always thinking in terms of this so whenever you talk about uh whenever we are thinking or talking about positive contributions to a place aiming to increase its potential especially in terms of what problems that particular community is facing you're already in some way talking about regenerative development right i see yeah so coming back to your question about when we are struggling to 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 get to sustainable um how do we get to regenerative uh so so imagine a place probably which is completely downgraded the environment's destroyed the water quality is not good it's it's completely a brown field chemical filled and and you come in as the developer or you come in as the government official trying to improve the quality of that place so you're moving the scale from a degenerative to a, a positively restoring or uh ecologically restoring space so you're bringing that scale forward so instead of degrading the space more you're trying to look at how you can make positive contributions so you're already starting to move the scale towards positive way of doing things right. and that in itself is regenerative now this is something that's that's a little different from what's out there in the literature because it can uh, the literature always assumes that everything is is at an ideal zero scale um mm-hmm. but you'll find that through through practical ways of development wherever you're looking at it 
if you're trying to move that scale towards positive contributions, and if you're looking at systemic way of doing things, um, then you're already talking about that regenerative development. You're aspiring to, to get there. Right, right. Yeah. How do you get people to adopt that lens when they, when they are doing projects? Is that one of the problems is just people don't see with that lens? They just think of the economics or how do you get people to start looking at things and trying to make them better rather than just make money? Now, that's a very interesting question. Uh, one that's also part of a big part of my research as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there are, there are two things again to this. One is strategically aligning what you want to achieve. Uh, you have to be very pragmatic and understand that uh, we have to be actually that uh, we cannot achieve everything. But what are the best things that we can achieve? What, what, is, uh, what are the problems that this community is facing? What are the problems that this place is facing? And how can our development of something, whether it's building, whether it's a road, whether it's a farm, uh, help solve these problems. If we start thinking along these terms, in terms of problem solving and mm-hmm. systemic way of doing things, then that's, that's one step towards um, moving away from simply economic benefits and starting people to, to, to see what value you can bring into it. The other part of it is simply to... Um, try and move away from uh, looking at it as, as a checklist way of doing things and adopt that, that big picture perspective as to how long is this investment going to be here for? Is it going to be here for 20 years? Is it going to be here for 50 years? So we are going to have a relationship with this community. We are going to have a relationship with this place. So why not build a positive one? Why not build somewhere where we can integrate into this community and there is, there is harmony rather than a, a, a glass ceiling or a friction that you come across. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's basically trying to take people on that journey. One, one is that, but through pragmatism as well, never forget that there are, there are limitations. There are, there are always budget constraints. There are always time constraints. And, and, and that is the reality of working within things, but how can you best uh, extract value out of these limitations is, is the question to ask. And the other thing is, is just the understanding the difference between a revolution and and evolution. You know, it, revolution is you stand up and you say, yeah, we're going to change things and we're going to have radical shifts. Uh, but history has shown us that that any change to happen takes time. Mm. You know, um, so it's it's slowly taking people on that journey. You will have policy changes. You'll have behavioral changes. You'll have attitude changes. You'll have changes in the way interventions are made. You'll have changes in the way procurement is done. Um, and you're taking all of these people slowly on the journey, especially if, if you are early on in that pre-feasibility stage, sitting there within the core project group. It's really important to, to talk about these things early on. Okay, what is the value we want to add? Is it simply financial? Or are we aiming to increase jobs in this place? If you're aiming to increase jobs in this place, what are the kinds of, kinds of jobs this place needs? Uh, that goes back to tying into a relationship with the place. So what is this place? So you try and understand the history of the place, the, the geographical parameters, the, pa- the patterns of the place, um, and try and see what's the best fit uh, that the place wants, that the community needs, and how you can integrate within it. It's a lot of work. It's, it's, it may seem like a lot of work and a lot of uh, planning to go through, um, but having the right people in the room always makes that easy. And right, quick. right. I think that's definitely a really good point. Like taking the holistic approach is definitely a lot different. Um, one of the things 
I don't know, you were talking about was the difference between, you know, green building, like you say, and the holistic approach of regeneration. You know, what are some of the things that you see? What are some of the uh, issues with that, with them taking, plucking a few uh, performance indicators and, and just trying to build that? You know, what are some of those things that you're noticing and what are some of the things they're missing exactly when they're doing that? Yeah, uh, that's that's an interesting comparison, actually. But but before I begin to answer that, I really need to say that regardless of what type of uh, best practice it is, whether it's green construction or whether it's uh, regenerative space or living buildings, uh, striving to do what you can to improve that relationship uh, is always better than doing nothing. So I completely understand how these systems have come about and, and we need to keep going on with these. And they also help us buy time to, to perfect the regenerative systems if we need to. Um, so everything's required um, at this point in time, as much as we can do and, and the more we can do. Uh, but coming back to that checklist approach, the, the main thing is basically if you add points to something, um, and if you, if I give you, it's, it's basically like you go into an exam and you have a certain questions to answer with certain marks attached to it. Uh, and if you don't really have the time and you can put time in as a limitation, if you don't really have the time, um, you would basically aim at answering certain questions that would just get you above that pass mark, but you're not right. looking at that holistic learning approach. Have I learned something out of this paper, out of being in this classroom? Um, well, how has my knowledge increased or am I just filling in gaps uh, to make sure I have uh, passed this course and I can um, show that I am a graduate of a certain uh, paper. So that yeah. is the difference that we're trying to make is, is having that checklist approach somewhere uh, encourages clients to pick and choose what they want to deliver on. So it takes away from that holistic way of thinking, uh, which is always very important if, if you're going to deliver projects on positive, broader outcomes, because everything's interrelated. If you look at life, if you look at how a tree functions, everything is interrelated. Um, and it is, it is not really uh, pragmatic, especially in the early design stages to to look at it from a very narrow um, tunnel vision view that this is what we're going to do um, and work from there. You say that there's not many regenerative developments happening at the moment. Are you seeing any organizations in New Zealand in particular that are on the forefront of this? Anyone who's doing really well? New Zealand is a very special place in that sense because we have a very intricate understanding of um, what the place needs. Uh, but we also have an understanding of our history. We also have an understanding of the bicultural nature of the country. Uh, we also have an understanding of what we need for the future generations or what we aspire for the future generations. So in that sense, uh, I think there is a very deep-rooted understanding within people to have those place-based connections with everything that we do, with everything that we build, we construct, we design. There is an innate sense of that. So a lot of the organizations, whether they're private or councils uh, and even policymakers are trying to, to incorporate this uh, within their works. They may not call it regenerative development, uh, but if you look at it, you'll, you'll see terms such as broader outcomes, holistic outcomes, mm -hmm. integrated way of working, uh, providing um, value-based outputs, outcomes. 
Um, so these are the, these are the different ways to kind of pick out that. Yeah, they, they're kind of working towards that. Um, and I think given the current situation that we have just come out of, we have shown how, how strong this country is to work as a team. Um, right. So there is there is a lot of lot of work happening by the people and and within themselves as well. Hmm. So it's hard to pick and choose any any organization. I'm not I'm not being diplomatic here, uh, yeah. but it's ha- <laughs> hard to pick and choose any organization. I, I, through my research, through all the people I've seen and spoken to, I always find that there is that real deep drive to do more, um, hmm. and they find ways to do it. Um, right. when I, when I reconnect with them a year later, um, they're doing something about it. They're, they're either teaching or they're either putting it in practice. Um, and these are people from all walks of life working in various different companies, uh, or organizations and doing what they can within their space. So it, it is moving towards that sense. Um, so yeah. Kind of on a similar note, one of the things I notice is that whether it's a new development or a new design people slap you know green or sustainable onto it but we don't really have you know there's no one definition of what is sustainable you know and we also don't know for example if they've taken into account the place-based nature or anything like that so what do you see do you see problems with people slapping you know green or sustainable onto their developments and just people thinking that you know this is a solved problem Oh, that's that's again a very interesting question, and and I think there is no, in my personal, this is my personal view that there is no problem with that. You know, if it's it's simply a way of of showing that you have you have tried to go towards the best practice, and right. this is the path you've walked, hmm. and and absolutely there is nothing in in showing that off, so that more people can can take it forward, can put it in their practice. And it also helps you connect with more people within the industry or within the the broader industries. So I personally do not see any issues with that. Um, but the, but where, where you start seeing issues is when you s- start functioning within that, within that certain label you've achieved and, and you, you forget that you've, you've pushed for best practice. Um, so with the next development, we can push this bar a little higher and we can push this bar a little higher now that we have, now that we have a deeper understanding of how this system works. Um, but given, given the space we are in and given the massive effort people are trying to make, uh, towards moving towards uh, a better society, uh, addressing climate change, uh, and the rate of change that we need, it's, it's quite urgent. So in that sense, uh, the more we can tell and show people how we are doing things, how we are pushing for best practices. I think it's great. Mm. That's an interesting point for sure. Whether or not it's all the way there, small steps are really important. I think that's, I think that's great. Um, the, the other thing, Luke, with this is um, the, the labels in themselves are not important. What's really right. important is the, um, is the essence, the principle. So there are, there are also some buildings that, um, that completely go for the absolute best label within the industry. But there are also some developments that, are, that we call shadow developments that in all the ways have tried to imbibe those values, but for some reasons haven't been able to achieve that certification. But that does not, that does not go to say that 
they haven't designed using those principles. They haven't thought holistically. They haven't integrated in the best possible manner. Uh, so working towards imbibing those principles, making a holistic way of working every day when we go to work, every day, every mm -hmm. time that we design buildings, we try and incorporate this way of thinking. That is what is more important. Right. What's yeah. your opinion on using those labels as well? Do you think that's the right approach? Do you think, do you see people who are too focused on hitting those labels or do you think, um, you know, having accredited buildings is, is the right way to go about things? The, the other part of it is if, if you can aim to achieve that, if you can aim to achieve that certain certification, um, and if it's within the interests of the business, if it's within the interests of the people who are funding the project, uh, mm -hmm then they're by all means uh, okay to go for it. You know, there, there, is, there is nothing that says that this is, this is wrong and uh, that they're completely within their space to do it. Um, but as I said, it's, it's more about that education. It's more about that evolution of taking people on the journey as you go. Right. Um, and, and the certifications happen as a byproduct. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the sweet yes. reward at the end in, for, for many. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, it's more about the journey rather than the final result. So yeah. what are we doing? How are we starting? How are we planning about things? Uh, who are the people in the room? Do we have the right expertise? Do we have the right skills? If not, what are we trying to do to build or bridge that skills gap? Um, and then how are we sharing that knowledge within the industry? How are we encouraging others to go on this? And how are we making it easier for them? I think these, these are more important questions. Uh, and and trying to achieve that, that industry shift um, as much as possible. Uh, whether, whether certifications happen or not, they're more, more of the end result, but regenerative development in so many ways is, is about the journey. Right. On the other side of um, what it's like for people in the industry, what are you seeing from consumers? Are they wanting more and more sustainability? Are they are you seeing them willing to you know pay the premium for that? What what are you noticing in terms of people who want to buy a house or people who want to rent in these new developments? Yeah, premiums. Uh, I may not be the best person to answer that, you know, because mm -hmm. I don't represent any certification organization. Uh, so I. I don't think I'm the best person to answer the question on premiums, uh, but it definitely uh, comes about as a challenge for them. Uh, it's, an, it's an added cost for the client. Uh, so as much as till we have time, I think, to, to build that skills gap and incorporate that within our value-added service, uh, it's going to be there. Um, but whether it's, it's, uh, it's the right thing to do or not is, is definitely uh, something I cannot comment on. One thing you talk about was innovation in the construction sector. Do you see one of the barriers to regenerative development being the way in which we build? And how can we become more innovative? How can we find better approaches? Are people just too stuck in their ways? Or how can we go about finding better ways to build, for example? Um, that, again, is, is quite... The systemic answer, isn't it? Depending on, mm. on where you enter the system from and depending on how much you've interacted with the system, uh, your, your approach to that is going to vary. Um, but is it important that we function as we are? Is business as usual good? Uh, no. Uh, 
it hasn't it hasn't worked in our favor you can see that we have yeah. a lot of uh, pollution we have a lot of uh, environment degradation uh, all of that goes to show it and and the construction industry is a big contributor to is a major contributor to that uh, but how do we move away from this is is simply by first building it within ourselves that um, we want to do more we want to add value uh, and then working or trying to find ways to add that value within the work um, and and that's that's how basically change happens you work towards understanding what is it so you, you move away from what the client wants a little bit and you're trying to understand what the place wants and see how you can strategically align these two things and you start to add value to both things then you start adding value to to what your client wants and you have more value added to the community as well but it's it's again about trying to understand how can we achieve these small shifts how can we achieve a a, a better way of doing things every day uh, so that happens through policy interventions um like last year the government came out and said all the insulation uh, needs to be upgraded so you're going to have warmer homes regardless and that that was a policy systemic change and everyone went about doing it so that was important um, in the same way there can be uh, there can be policy shifts there can be industry shifts as well but also within the clients there can be uh, strategic shifts especially for their businesses if they try and understand okay if this is what our consumers want uh, climate change is an emergency. Biodiversity loss is an emergency. And our clients want to see us addressing these things, not simply from a superficial basis of, uh, of funding, but also being a part of that change, of also informing those our building decisions, of our development decisions, of our business decisions. Um, then these try to sap in through to how you construct, how you build, and, and what kind of teams you procure, what kind of projects you commission. Uh, so all of that kind of shifts through. So everyone has the power within within their space or within their way of operation, um, but it's definitely dependent on where you enter the system from. Right. Are you noticing that people are willing to sacrifice the economics in order to get sustainable benefits, or not so much? Are you are you seeing people put the economics at the number one priority and then sustainability comes second? How are you seeing that move exactly? There, there has there has it's been a practice of that, you know, and, and there has been a checklist where, where financial revenue comes at the top and whatever you do to uh, build jobs or, or improve the place kind of, kind of come, come towards the end. But there has been a strategic shift as well, trying to separate these and, and put them across. So if you look at New Zealand's uh, well-being budget and the living standards framework, you'll find that there are four capitals that any business uh, outcome needs to meet. Uh, and that's the social outcome, the natural outcome, the financial outcome, and the human outcome, uh, or the capitals. And if you're trying to think in terms of these and, and trying to inform our business decisions based on these capitals, uh, then you won't really have a checklist way or a priority list. You would rather have a concurrent list that these are all our different parameters that we need to hit. These right. are all going to inform our KPIs. And these are all going to be our outcomes at the end. And how are we going to measure them? So, mm -hmm. they, so you kind of go from more of a checklist process to a more KPI based. We are going to incorporate everything kind of understanding. And that's what uh, the industry is, is working towards. There is a lot of... Uh, business um, reporting 
that's shifting towards actually reporting on all of these four capitals rather than mm. just uh, how much revenue you've made and how many jobs you've created. Uh, so there, there is a shift. And once that shift in approach happens, it kind of starts informing all the different uh, decisions you make down the line. Right. So do you think it's just a matter of time? We need some time as that transition occurs. It's not, you already seen it happening, but we're going to take time before that's mainstream. Is that what you the, these these are going to be very personal views, and I think sure. it's For it's sure. not it's it's not simply time. It's these are there are many different contextual factors that sit within that, mm-hmm. uh, and and one of the things that I've come out understanding through through uh, the early parts of my research is also the character of the place that you're in. It's also the character of of the uh, political system that you have. It's all. The, it's also the character of uh, the people you're working with that kind of informs these decisions. So yes, we need time. We need time mm-hmm. to solidify these processes. We need time to understand what we are working towards. Uh, but that is only again part of the chain, part of the domino right. process. You have all these different contextual factors you got to look at. Um, what are the policy changes that are happening? What are the legislative changes that are happening? Are we working towards adding that intergenerational value so that not just, it's not just we who, who are well off now, but also generations 50 years down the line, 100 years down the line are also uh, reaping the benefits of our decisions today. Mm. So that is a very important way of working as well. And as, as long as we, we are looking at this, uh, this way of working, then it informs all the decisions. So time is one factor, yes, but there is also um, the the shift in how we're working, the shift in in how we're approaching things. And that happens through education, that happens through willpower change, that happens through wanting to to do better every day. And and these are the kind of contextual factors you would be looking at. That's that's wanting to move away from business as usual and adding Mm. more value. Right. Thank you so much, man. That's a lot of really what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, but I really appreciate you talking to me about this. It's really helped me too. I think you understand when you say holistic approach, you understand that when you read that and you'll hear that, but it's really helped me hammer that home. So thank you for that. Appreciate no, that's, that's I, I really appreciate that as well. And as a thing, I would say it's it's really good to map the systems out, map out uh, what is it that we're trying to build? Where is it we're trying to do it? And what are the different stakeholders across this? And what are their interests? Uh, that will really help inform where the project may, can go towards. Right. Uh, but it's all, a lot of it is about the evolution part. It's about taking the people on the journey. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I don't understand how much of a radical shift it may be. Um, but there is an everyday need to educate people, uh, show them that there is a better way of doing things. It's not going to cost them more uh, trying to better our performance measures, trying to better our uh, measurement techniques, uh, and, and simply wanting to add more value than we did yesterday. Right, right, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you coming on. All right. Um, thank you for having me. Hey, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for teaching me what you know. Thank you very much. Thanks, Luke.